And now Ken is going to be giving us the message this morning. I'm going to tell a story uh, for two reasons. One, it happened, and two, it gives me a chance to practice my share screen skills. So I, I really, I truly hope Emily is watching because I know she wants to see this. But this, I got this, uh, I got this teddy bear during uh, COVID. I think it was like last April, literally for comfort, and it served me quite well. But um, I was up at Julia's cottage. She has a cottage in kind of a remote remote part of Michigan. And I'm, I'm out on the like side porch and I'm talking on the phone to my brother-in-law, Bill, and a, an actual black bear comes up the, comes up the steps and is looking at me like pretty much with this aspect of head and, and chest. But I should have been alarmed, but because I had this little guy as my buddy through COVID, I was thinking, oh, there's my buddy. And I forgot it was a stinking black bear. So we got this picture of the of the black bear. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Oh my God. Okay, kitties, don't don't be taking a picture of a black bear when it comes. That means it's it's feeling comfortable around human beings and it's dangerous. That's the last picture I'm ever taking of a black bear. I got me an air horn and trying to find some bear spray and uh that's my that's my zoom triumph so um doing a screen share so uh today uh i wanted to look at a psalm uh, a really a powerful image from psalm uh 131 actually in my notes it says psalm 31 but caroline it's psalm one th no it is psalm 31 i always get those mixed up it is 30 uh 31 anyway uh and it goes like this, blessed be the Lord who has shown me the wonders of his love in a besieged city. So this is a, this is a very um, modern image on the one hand, lots of cities get besieged in the modern time, um, but the, the, the picture of it is from antiquity. Um, and, you know, picture scenes from the last kingdom, uh, my name is Uhtred, son of Uhtred of Bebenberg, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, where a feudal lord takes an army to storm a city, but is stopped at the gates without the wherewithal to overrun the city. And instead, uh, the army lays siege to the city, prevents the residents from leaving the city, cuts off supply lines going in, and either conquers by attrition or musters over time the resources to eventually storm the gates. The city can be besieged for, for weeks, for months, for even longer, I imagine. Blessed be the Lord who has shown me the wonders of her love in a besieged city. This is the image in Psalm 31. So Jerusalem is one of those cities besieged uh, probably several times throughout its history. Um, and it's in the background, actually, of, of many psalms. Like uh, Psalm 46, you might not notice it, but it goes, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. So the Assyrian army had laid siege to Jerusalem in the time of King Hezekiah. He was the king of Judah. Uh, the army, Assyrian army had already decimated the northern tribes in the Galilee, that northern part of Israel. And despite a long siege, though, Jerusalem survived 
because Hezekiah, King Hezekiah at that time had built a secret tunnel from a water source outside the gates of the city called the Gihon Spring. It was a tunnel that ran the length of a six football fields underground beneath the city walls into the city itself. But it was hidden. Uh, it, was a, it was a spring that, that w went underground through this tunnel into the city. So the Assyrians couldn't cut off the uh, Jerusalem uh, water supply and the city outlasted the siege as a result. So this is probably the image between behind uh, Psalm 46. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is within her, she will not fall. Wonders of love in a besieged city image. So it's interesting that Psalm 31 doesn't focus so much on the enemy at the gates, the external threat, as it does on the strain that being under siege places on the residents inside. So Psalm 31 is all about relational tensions, lying lips, uh, betrayals, people plotting behind your back and the like. So, yeah, right, the external threat uh, puts so much pressure on the society that it begins, it begins to fracture from within. Fault lines worsen, tempers flare. Here's an example, in the, this is in the verse that um, immediately preceding the besieged city image. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from human plots. You hold them safe under your shelter from contentious tongues. So the external threat of the pandemic has felt very much like being cut off from our normal supply lines, uh, cooped up. And the pressure of the external threat is only heightened um, internal tensions. I, I think of the underlying injustices that have been there all along, only worsening um, during COVID. I think of the strains on uh, some of our extended family relationships, uh, you know, family members fueled by, you know, lies, conspiracy theories and the rest. And it's just, oh my gosh, good Lord. I, I think of the households where a parent or two parents are working at home or, or out of the home and really stressful jobs because of the pandemic. And they're trying to juggle work and I don't know, two or three kids doing online school. You know, the kids come in different developmental stages. So the pressures of the pandemic are hitting them in very different ways. And wow, what a what a parenting strain. Oh my Lord, you you all deserve medals of honor um, for the things that you've endured through this um, through this time. So yes. As Psalm 31 reveals, external threats often heighten internal strife. It just happens. And realizing this helps us, I think, to step back for a minute um, and de-intensify the blame game that happens when we're in the middle of more uh, strained relationships with the people around us, either, either blaming ourselves for being too whatever or not whatever enough, or blaming the people around us for being too whatever, or not one, you know, not enough whatever. Um, it's not like there aren't real issues, but just everything gets heightened when there's external pressure like we've been under. So no, it's not all about how bad we are or the people around us are. Something else is at play. External threat heightens internal strife. Just that simple recognition gives us space to say to ourselves or to the people around us, 
you know, this is a strain on all of us. We're doing pretty good, all things considered. And then there's that line that comes right after the besieged city image in the psalm. It goes, I had said in my alarm, I am driven far from your sight, but you heard my supplication when I cried out to you for help. Now, um, being driven far from the sight of God, I mean, that's a pretty extreme uh, feeling the psalmist has. So it's a great example, I think, of um, what the psychologists call catastrophic thinking. So that's a, a mode that our brain go, goes into from time to time. Yeah, you know your, mo your brain is in catastrophic thinking when you're getting ready for bed and you notice a little red spot on your face and your alarm system calls all aboard on the train that leads from wherever you are to Catastrophe, Pennsylvania. And within 30 seconds of noticing that red spot, you've hurtled ahead to melanoma, to chemotherapy, to radiation, to hospice care, and then adding insult to injury, you discover you're allergic to morphine. So sometimes I wonder, um, would it be, I notice myself having um, an excess of catastrophic thinking really in the height of the pandemic. Uh, and I, I remember wondering at that time, would it be helpful to have like a database of all the catastrophic scenarios our alarm system generates stored somewhere out of sight, but we could run a data analysis now and again and realize how many of those scenarios didn't come to pass? Would that be like a cause to say, blessed be the Lord who has shown me the wonders of their love in a besieged city? All the catastrophes I entertained that actually didn't happen. It's like a relief. And in the coming weeks and months, as we reckon with what we've been through, maybe this psalm um, can be a good companion, especially its central image. Um, it's a kind of invitation to reflect on the consolations in a time of disconsolation, but not in some Pollyanna way, because we're, we're naming it, we're noting the underlying trauma, the experience of being besieged, beset on all sides, cut off from all our normal supply lines. The thing, the thing I love about the Psalms is they don't minimize anything. Like all the expressions are just raw. Um, you know, it's, it's very common in, in certain cultural settings and the modern world to cope with difficulty by minimizing. And sure, that works sometimes, but it doesn't help us to get in touch with the raw emotion that we're actually experiencing. And the Psalms are really good at that. There's just none of that, none of that like dialing everything down on the emotional uh, level. And yet the wonders of divine love, like the waters of the Gihon Spring, traveling through a secret underground tunnel into the besieged city, and it could be like an unanticipated blessing in the middle of the distress. Maybe we've undergone a helpful shift of focus or priority that's gonna make a difference in our lives that we can't even anticipate going forward. Um, those precious moments looking back when, when we actually had a sense of safety or comfort in the middle of the besieged experience. And they, they say resilience isn't like a trait it isn't something that we have going into a pressured time. It's something we develop under pressure. So the external threat can bring out the worst, but it can also bring out the best in us. 
Um, maybe reflect on this. What is the good that has been revealed in you under this pressure? How, how did you surprise yourself? Be attuned to that. That's part of the wonders of God's love in a besieged city. What, what is the good in others that has been revealed to you under this pressure? Let's be attuned to that. Maybe we had a more intense um, experience of gratitude for the little things through this. God is in the midst of her, the besieged city. Um, Julia, my, <clears throat> my spouse, um, has a friend named Stacy, and Stacy's mother died, and it was a really hard uh, time of grief for Stacy. A deep grief is, is uh, an experience of being under seas often, beset, um, not really knowing how you're going to get out of this cloud that you're in. And in the worst time of it, in the space of, I think it was like a few months, Stacy received two dreams um, involving her mother. So in one dream, Stacy's mother appears and tells Stacy where a ring is located. Uh, backstory, it, it, this ring had been willed to Stacy by her mom, but after her mom died, they, they couldn't find the ring. And they searched high and low for it, and it was nowhere to be found. And then this dream in which her mom reveals the ring's location, and there it was. It was actually in the place that was revealed in the dream. Um, she has another dream. I mean, this is really awesome. Stacy's mom is on a shore in the dream with a dog that Stacy doesn't recognize, but can see very vividly. Um, Stacy's mom in the dream calls to her from the shore, I was wrong about the dogs. Stacy uh, knows what it means because when she was 13, the family dog died and Stacy asked her mom whether dogs go to heaven. And her mom said, well, they go to their own heaven, not ours. Well, you know, that's really a bummer. That's bad news, you know. So Stacy wonders why she doesn't um, recognize the dog in the dream, even though the dream was so vivid. And she describes the dream to her aunt, aunt, her mother's sister, who says, oh, that would be the dog we grew up with. So, yeah, grief sucks. But blessed be the God who shows us the wonders of his love in a besieged city. So let's take a, a little time of reflection. Uh, let's take a couple minutes now, if you'd like to, and you're in a position where you can do this, to just uh, sit with this. If you're in a spot where you can focus, get, um, get in a comfortable position. You know, it's always good to, if your back can be a little bit on the straight side, just be present in your body. Notice the weight of the body on the chair, wherever you're sat. Um, notice the feeling of the feet on the floor, maybe. Let your breathing slow and notice it maybe in through the nose, out through the mouth. Again. And then just keep that relaxed breathing going. And I'll repeat this line a few times with a, with a short pause be, between so we can kind of absorb the image again. And I'll alternate the different pronouns that are used in scripture um, for God. Blessed be the Lord who has shown me the wonders of her love in a besieged city. Blessed be the Lord 
who has shown me the wonders of his love in a besieged city. Blessed be the Lord who has shown me the wonders of their love in a besieged city. Now let's turn that into a prayer. Lord, attune our hearts, draw our attention, activate our focus, stimulate our memories to the wonders of your love in a besieged city. Over the next minute, if something comes to mind or a few things, just hold them in your focus. We'll take maybe about 30 seconds for this. Amen.